The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 104 for Sunday, May 20th, 2007. And welcome to the Mac Geek Cab. I am Dave. I'm here with John. And uh, we're back. Uh, though we didn't really, well, we went away last week. But, of course, there was the uh, the interview show that we put out uh, just to keep things moving along. How are you, John? Uh, not too bad. That's good. Did, uh, did vacation. Unfortunately, I got sick while I was on vacation. That's never fun, but I blame the Florida. <laughs> Always good to blame the good stuff. Well, no, they, right. well, they had a well. No, when I was there, they uh, you know went to Orlando with uh, Josh and Abby and Zach. Uh, had yeah. some fun. Yeah, their new kid. But uh, it was funny because we were landing and they said, "Okay, if you smell burning, it's not the plane; it's the <laughs> fires." Because if you've been oh, checking the news, they, right. they had some pretty. And actually, at times, even in Orlando, you could uh, you could smell the uh, the smoke. Hmm. So. Probably based on the horrible air quality and all the sick people on the plane, uh, yeah. physically sick, uh, got a little something, which actually makes my voice sound a little, little bass here. It know. does. Yeah. We, it kind of freaks me out. When we anyway, sound so I'm going to get over. Yeah. Yeah. That, that cool. uh, killed her uh, EQ session there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> made it right. interesting. It did. Yeah. Kept me on my but toes. But we're back and boy, it's great to be back. Yeah. I was down in Austin last week doing, uh, doing a bunch of things, brought on a new sales rep for Backbeat Media. She actually starts tomorrow. Tony Nelson Herrera and, uh. She's going to work out swimmingly. I'm very, very happy. And I uh, got together. Swimmingly? You did the, uh, the initiation then? <laughs> we did, yeah. Jeff and I got together with her a couple of times. And... Phase one. That's right. Phase one. Yeah. No, she's she's going to be an excellent addition to the team. So very, very That's... happy to have her on board. And uh, got together with some old friends and stayed with an old friend. And if you looked at my blog, you saw that uh, I had an early morning encounter with a scorpion. So... And we'll leave it at that. Uh, anyway, so we have all kinds of stuff to get through today. Today will be a listener mail uh, show. Now, you notice I didn't say reader mail, John. I'm, I've gotten better, I believe, over the uh, the years we've been doing this. We're almost at two yeah, years. Yeah, just watch that control panel. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, so talking about uh, airport stuff, especially airport extreme, some digi- more digital audio stuff. A little bit about FileMaker, all kinds of stuff. Remember, uh, feedback at MacGeekGab.com or 206-666-GEEK is where you can send in your questions, concerns, comments, tips, uh, corrections. Or call in. Well, that's, yeah. And that's 4335. That's two, yes. Geek would be 4335. Unless you turn your phone upside down, but then you'll get somebody else. Wait, <laughs> it'd still be the same. Never mind. Are we ready here? I'm ready. Are you ready? I am. I am now. Just like how I bought a little time there. Robert writes in. Hi, guys. After a restart, sometimes my router assigns me a different local IP address than previously, such as 192.168.1.102. I need to know this number when it changes when I'm away from my computer. Is there a way to have my Mac automatically email this number to me after restart? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to actually take this in a different direction. I'm sure there is a way to have your Mac email it to you. In fact, you could have a little Apple script that fires up every time your computer starts up and just emails you your IP address regardless of what it is. And then, you know, you could probably even make it fancier and have it save it to a file. And then if it you know matches what's in the file, don't send the email. Otherwise, let it, you know, let it rip. However, 
It's a pain to have your email address. <laughs> it is a pain to have your email address change every time you restart. Thankfully, that's not Robert's problem. His problem is that it's his IP address changes, and that too can be a bit of a problem. Uh, especially, I'm assuming he has some things forwarded to it from his router, etc. So uh, I do the same thing. I, I have the same kind of issues here, and I don't want my Mac's IP addresses changing. So I do uh, statically assigned IP addresses. And uh, what I first do is it, you're going to want to look in the airport admin utility and check to see what range of IP addresses it's distributing. So in Robert's example, 192.168.1.x is the range of IP addresses, and X ranges from 2 to 255, or 1 to 255. That's what you're allowed to have. Now, the router always grabs .1, at least in, in most cases. Uh, and, and then by default, airport uh, routers distribute .2 to .200. So that leaves .201 to .254, as available addresses, but not going to be auto-assigned by the router. So my advice would be to do one of two things. And I know, John, you've got, a, you've got something to add here. You would either, one, go into your network uh, system preference, not control panel, and assign an address that is outside of that range, using, selecting manually, Ethernet address assigned manually. But then you have to fill in the router, which in this case would be 192.168.1.1, and the subnet mask, which would be 255.255.255.0, and the DNS server, which I believe would also be 192.168.1.1, because the router is going to do some DNS games for us. That's one way of doing it. The other way would be to set DHCP with a manually assigned address. So if you set DHCP to 192.168.1.201, and then the rest there, I think that might work, but it all depends on how the router deals with things. So that's my, uh, that's actually my four cents there. Four cents? <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, I like to give it my all. And that's a good set of answers there. Now, now the answer I'm going to give is not a complete answer, but just the, the pointer in the right direction, because I've run into this in the enterprise realm. Um, there are ways, and actually uh, at work, when we do have machines, uh, so pretty much nobody is allowed to statically assign an address, as uh, Dave was talking about earlier, because it, especially in a, in a corporate environment, that just leads to chaos. Okay. And actually, that ha happened the other day. Is, is One of my coworkers, who's, who's a Mac person, kept getting a message saying, this address is already taken. Mm -hmm. And he was on DHCP, and I'm like, huh? So we called our network support, and eventually we had our local guy come down, and he's like, hey, guess what? Somebody statically assigned that address. It's like, so this Not is good. why you don't want, typically in a corporate environment, people assigning their own static IP address. In a small environment, that's great because everybody probably knows everybody and you, you know what addresses each person has. Sure. Uh, but in our place, what we do is either we give the, uh, and then this gets into the you know guts of uh, router admin, you either give them your MAC address uh, because when you, when you do a DHCP, potentially the router can look at the MAC address and if you say... MAC address, uh, MAC address being the hardware address of your network adapter, you can say, oh, I know who you are. Let me give you this address. So it's, a, it's kind of a reserved DHCP in that every time you go to the DHCP server, if you have that MAC address, you will get, always get the same address back. Now, in, in the case I just mentioned, what happened you know, was someone took that address. <laughs> uh, the other thing you could do is that in DHCP, there's something called the client ID. Okay. Where if you look in the system preferences, you will see that field, and you probably wondered, what the heck is that? Well, that's another mechanism um, 
if for whatever reason you don't want to use the MAC address of the person to tie them to an IP address via DHCP, you can use the client ID, which is another way. It says, oh, your client ID, whatever, and your admin would typically give that to you. It will come back again and give you a, a DHCP address that is kind of dynamic, but not really, because it's tied to that ID. So a number of ways to solve that problem. Yep. Um, and I think you and I pretty much cover covered all. All right. There you go. Jim writes, uh, got a problem for the two of you to solve. While most of my machines are Mac, I also have a couple of desktop PCs, which I have built. Both are running Windows, XP, and Linux. I recently did a dual install of Vista Home Premium to see what or how bad it is. I also installed the new Airport Extreme, which I love. Here's the problem. All my machines connect with no problem to the internet, with the exception of Vista. OS X, Linux, Windows XP all connect without a hitch. Vista does not. Here's my setup. I'm using two Linksys switches, and they're connected to the Airport Extreme and then to my cable modem. I was on the phone with Microsoft for about an hour and a half, and they finally said, it must be an Apple problem. Probably the <laughs> Airport, Airport Extreme is not compatible with Vista. I can't believe that one. Any ideas? Okay. Now, uh... I do have a couple of ideas. One is assuming you're connected wirelessly, which you may or may not be. If you are, I always, always uh, would recommend disabling security temporarily to troubleshoot because at least that lets you know, okay, look, yeah, maybe maybe there's something with Vista's implementation of WPA2 versus Airport Extreme's implementation, et cetera, et cetera. That might be the issue. The If you're connected hardwired, then... Referring back to the man, the answers that uh, that John and I just gave here with uh, managing IP addresses, assign a static IP to the Vista machine and statically assign the router address, you know, go through the whole thing and see if that does it. Because if it's a DHCP issue, you know, there might be, there shouldn't be, but there might be something with the way your Linksys switches are working and, and the way Vista is trying to pass. It, it's all standard. It should all just work, but, uh, but who knows, you know, and, and then maybe by, if that, if, if assigning statically works, okay, now get your Linksys switches out of the way and plug directly into the Airport Extreme. Try DHCP there and, and troubleshoot it down. So any other thoughts, John? Um, the one thought would be the, the, the question was a bit unclear as to exactly what is meant by not connecting. Oh, good point. Uh, I mean, is are they getting, and, and sometimes, like for example, are you getting a... Uh, I'm trying to think what, what the proper name is, but but there is light. You mean? No, no, no. Uh, when you when you try to get a DHCP address, I'm going to assume there's an attempt to get a DHCP address, and mm. not connecting means they're not getting an address. Usually, what'll happen if DHCP fails, you'll get a 169 address, right? Right. Yeah, 169.254. Which yeah. which is a locally routable address, but but the secret thing it's saying is. I tried to get DHCP. Typically, when you try to get DHCP and it fails for whatever reason, you get a 169.something address, which, which right, is a right. sign to you that the router or the DHCP server is, for whatever reason, doesn't want to give you an address. Um, so, so that could be one thing to look at. If you're getting a 169 address, you know, double-check your uh, network settings, um, your DHCP settings. Uh, yeah, you know, that's true. That's a good, that's that's a good place there. to start. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know, because to me, the, the term not connecting is unclear. It, it, you know, yeah, are you point. getting a valid IP address or not? If you are, then, well, yeah, but I'm with you. Turning off firewalls, uh, security, any other uh, stuff like that, which sometimes blocks outgoing requests, will would be uh, another good thing to check. Temporarily, yep. of course, because you probably always want to run a firewall. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it could be the firewall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. antivirus. Yeah. Uh, for example, the, the the one that we use, uh, you know, uh, McAfee, um, actually has sometimes, which is surprising. It does have some rules that will block. Usually, not you know, address granting, but like the. Uh, SMTP and mail and stuff like that, but it could be blocking other things. Well, so, it, so you know, to- actually, that's a good point because it it might be allowing the it might be allowing the DHCP uh, traffic, but if it's blocking, if the antivirus or internet security or whatever it is that's that's out there is blocking uh, connection to addresses in that range, it'll allow the DHCP. But then once you've got an address, it's not going to let you talk to the router and then you're done. So that, that's actually an excellent point. And uh, I, you know what? I, I bet you're right. The Windows usually warns you when, uh, maybe not, mm-hmm. it may be buried. Windows it, does, it, but, but like Norton. I got to admit, I haven't done a heck of a lot of Vista, yeah, except no, seeing some demos and Nor- it looks pretty. Norton Internet Security certainly doesn't, because I've seen instances where you're tearing your hair out, and then finally you're like, wait a minute, disable Norton Internet Security, and bam, it works. It's like, oh, okay, so you got to go in and you know either remove the rule that's blocking it or create a, a, a hole to allow it through. So, So among that potpourri of suggestions i'm sure there's something there's, there. there's got to be an answer in there you know last <laughs> last week i was down uh, and i stayed with a buddy uh, my friend layton and uh while i was down there we realized he had gotten a new macbook pro and uh we both i was we were both noticing because i was using my my older macbook pro and it just seemed like internet access was was weird it was slow and i did a speed test and i saw wow well, he's getting six megabits down and and about 384k up like that you know web web surfing's not snappy and then the next day I checked his router and it hit me like, oh, he's got an old 11, you know, 802.11b router. So maximum 11 megabits. But, 10 megabits. Right. 11. But right, Yeah. Right. But but really not. It's it's five and a half. Right. So yeah. his Internet connection on the downstream, if you were trying to get a Web page, was slowing down, was soaking yeah. up all of the bandwidth of the wireless and not allowing, you know, the acknowledgement packets out upstream. But, and that was slowing things B? down. Why is he on B? Well, that's what he had. I mean, he had this thing for years, and it was fine, but now it's it not. Works. Yeah. Okay. And so he, he's got to get G action there. Well, now he's got N, because he, re- he replaced ah, it with I, a, an Airport Extreme while I was there. And Excellent. So there's a couple things that, that I noticed about the Airport Extreme. One, uh, that it's fast, right? Especially when you're connecting N. It, it's great. Um, now you have N on your portable, right? Or, no, no, I don't. I have the, the first You have first the pre Yeah, I do. Yeah. I thought there were tricks to get that to work. No, not not but on mine. The the Core Two Duo machines, you can you can make it work, but not on the. Okay. Yeah, well, you but can you make it work on mine, but I have to replace the card. Okay, but you get down to G, which is fifty four megabits. Yeah. Right? So that's yeah, twenty seven and a half. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, so that was cool, and and then what that meant was I got to play with the new Airport Extreme software, the the Airport Admin Utility, the new Airport Admin software or Airport Utility, I guess is the name of it, and that's really cool. It's so much slicker and smoother than than the old Airport software, and the cool thing is it actually allows me to manage my older base station here at home now that it's installed on my uh, on my MacBook, which is a nice little perk. Um, but here's the thing, right? It's connecting at, uh, it, you know, it, it, in theory, 104 megabits. And actually, sometimes you even get speeds like that wirelessly. Really? Um, yeah. But not the half. It's half not the half. Yeah. With handshaking and all that stuff, you right. usually... Wow. Yeah. But, but here's the rub. So it's got a USB port on it, right? And unlike the older base stations, this USB port, as we all know, can be used not only for printers, but for uh, hard drives. Uh, 
And you can even so, hung a US, hang a USB switch off of it, and uh, or a USB hub, USB two hub, and mm-hmm. uh, and have both, right? So I thought, and he was trying to share his music collection between his G five, which was hardwired, and this laptop. And I thought, well, wait a minute, you know, he's hanging the drive off the G five anyway, and connecting to it over the uh, the network. And I thought, okay, well, why don't we just hang the drive off the base station, have the G five connect Ethernet, and uh, and then have the uh, you know the the MacBook Pro connect wirelessly and it won't matter. Well, the problem is, yes, it's a USB two port on there, which in theory goes about four eighty. We saw about three hundred megabits transferring to the drive from the G five. Uh, yeah. So presumably the drive will get three hundred uh, on the you know on the uh, on the base station. But the base station's Ethernet ports are are maxed out at hundred megabit, which means you can actually get faster access to the base station wirelessly a little bit, you know, a couple of megabits faster than you can. Uh, yeah, it's not gigabit, and it's not. It's not gigabit. No. Yes, it sucks. So yeah, so there we were with this drive that should be able to go, should be able to realize its full speeds over the network and really do this right. And uh, and the the Ethernet ports were limiting it. Now presumably that's because uh, maybe cost. Uh, I don't know. I mean the things oh, were sure. one hundred and eighty bucks. So yeah, I mean it's not a bad price for for what you get on that router. But it was kind of a shame to see that hundred megabit, and so we had to bring it back and hang it off the the G five. So there you go. Huh. Yeah. That's a good observation that you have uh, relatively different uh, throughputs. Yes. Wireless yes. side of speed side and uh, yeah, and on the Ethernet side. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely huh. worth thinking about if you're going to do it. Yeah, I'm I have... sure it's tough because uh, I mean I I think pretty much every Apple machine right now with a wired Ethernet port does um, does a gigabit over yeah. copper, right? Yeah, that's what and that so I I just assumed it had gigabit and I, I just I never thought otherwise. But uh, and then I thought maybe it was our cabling, so I went and looked up the specs on it, and no, it's definitely. Uh, it all it has is hundred megabit. Well, yeah, so. you want a Cat five E at least or right. Cat six, right? Right. So, oh, okay. Well, our first, you found the bottle. Our first sponsor this week is Barebone Software BB Edit. With BB Edit, it is a text editor, but it is a text editor. I like to call it a text editor on steroids. It, it there's so much you can do with it. Uh, you, you can take total control over your text. I use BB Edit every day. It's got an FTP browser in it, and you can open a bunch of files from an FTP server, edit them as if they're local. When you hit save, bam, it saves them off to the server seamlessly. Now, of course, it's had that for years, but that it, it, it is—it's a fantastic feature. It's totally seamless. Uh, the power and interface, uh, it actually. According to them, and they've done some research on this, there's no parallel on, on the Windows side. There's people that move to Macs just so they can code using BB Edit. It's got clippings, which are little text snippets that you can insert and manage, uh, Apple Script support, and, uh, and direct integration with Unix. There's actually a command line utility, so if you're in the terminal and you want to edit a file, you just type BB Edit space in the file name, and bam, it opens up in a in, in regular BB Edit. You're not editing at the terminal. So this is BB Edit from Barebones Software at barebones.com. And with that, we move on to Scott. Hey, John. Hey, Dave. I'm glad you're enjoying your week off. Hey, Dave, the podcast with the FileMaker folks was pretty good, except one of the things that I wanted to hear at some point or want to hear from somebody is, oh, by the way, this is Scott from Washington, if you haven't figured it out, uh, oh. the differences between 7 and 8 
or at least 8.5, and if it's really worth an upgrade, and what is it buying me to upgrade? I mean, because I already have version 7 point whatever, and I'm not a big FileMaker user, but I, I do have some uh, need for it in the near future. So I just wanted to find out from somebody, if somebody could answer, if it's worth the upgrade. And I'm not talking about from, you know, running a big business. I'm talking about running a one or two person shop in doing a few smaller things. That's all. I hope all is well. I hope you guys enjoy the week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, Scott. Dave, oh, you didn't mention it was Scott. I did. if I knew it was Scott. Scott. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, as I as I indicated, uh, we use FileMaker here both for BackBeat Media and for the Mac Observer. We have some back-end stuff. And uh, I, I think the for us, the upgrade from, from 7 to 8, really, you know, 8 to 8.5, there's a couple of things. The big one, of course, is support for uh, Intel, the universal binaries. Um, and a couple other things, but but the big one for us there was that eight point was the uh, universal. But from seven to eight, yeah, it, it's a huge huge difference. The uh, the first there there's there's tabs allowed in layout, so you can have one layout. In the past, you used to have to if you wanted to emulate tabs uh, in a layout, you had to create a layout and then duplicate it four times or three times or however many extra tabs you wanted and then you know lay out these tabs manually it was a big pain and of course if you changed a field location on one of the layouts you had to then go and replicate it through it there was no intelligence there with tabs you can actually have tabs in a layout and it's totally integrated and it works really well the other thing that we use a heck of a lot of is the calendar drop down. Uh, if you click on a date field, now you can have it drop down with a fully, you know, interactive calendar. You can find your dates. And the third big one for us, there's many. Uh, and we'll actually put a URL in the show notes to a PDF that John found. Thank you, John, uh, with with all these changes. But the other one that, that we use a lot is... Um, is the email merge previously it required a third party plugin and now you can do a lot of it with uh with just the built-in stuff so yeah it, and it's to me it seems faster in fact i upgraded uh greg snyder our, our vp of sales i don't know why but he was still on version 7 connecting to our our 8 server here and uh and we upgraded him just last week or week before last to 8.5 so he went from 7 to 8.5 and he said it was like night and day connecting to the server. It must be doing something different, uh, a little bit faster in the way that it interacts, uh, at least across the internet, to a uh, to a FileMaker server. So there you go. That's uh, that's all of them. Nice. So have you tried? So you mentioned the uh, the web viewer. Yes. Yeah, and 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 uh, John, we're doing some experiments with that on the back end here, and I think soon we might be able to offer you. Uh, and of course, I'm I'm letting the cat out of the bag for all the other TMO staffers that Meow. listen. Yeah, but but I'm hoping to allow all of our TMO staffers access to the FileMaker database um, over the web. So that's kind of the that that's it's nice. in the works. I promise. No, it's cool because I I, I was looking at the. Uh, I mean, you're you're the. Uh... You know, you're the you're the filemaker jock here, but uh, but I saw that feature and and having web access to a application otherwise you need a uh, client for is just very cool. Assuming th- they pull it off, I think so. Yeah, like- yeah. So I'm I'm looking I'm I'm hoping that you know by midweek this week I should have what I need to to test that and uh, and you know we'll we'll figure it out from there. Nice. Yeah. 
on to audio stuff. We kind of stumbled into an area that uh, that apparently oh boy. means a lot to a lot of you, which is great. That's that's why that's why we do this. Um, and and I'll let Dave uh, Dave take it from yep. here. I, oh, sorry. Did you have something to say before we let Dave take it, John? Oh, I'm just glad that there are people like Dave that know more than us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> We're Mac geeks. Dave is an audio geek, and we'll we'll just let him take it. Hey, uh, John and Dave, this is uh, Dave Cook from uh, the Woodstock area of New York State. Um, I was just listening to the last podcast. You're talking about digital audio and different formats and things like that. Um, just to clarify one thing that John brought up about the SPDIF interface, uh, the Sony Philips digital interface. Uh, that's, um, that particular uh, format is limited to two channels of audio. It's, yes, it's RCA, uh, RCA connectors. Um, sometimes I believe you'll see a, a, a VNC connector, video type connector, but most of the time it's RCA. Uh, but it's only capable of transmitting stereo digital audio. Um, you'll see that a lot of times on just some consumer decks, uh, CD outs. You'll see the optical as well as the uh, uh, RCA SPDIF. Um, you'll also see it, Dave, you've probably seen it on some older DAT machines um, yep. where it'll be uh, uh, a SPDIF in and out that's only stereo as opposed to the optical, which can be capable of uh, multi-channel uh, transmission, as in what you were mentioning as far as the 5.1, 6.1 uh, surround. Uh, also, um, the, uh, some uh, digital audio recorders, such as ADATs, uh, and some of the Pro Tools uh, interfaces will have the optical uh, ins and outs. Uh, they also call the ADAT light pipe. Um, and that is capable of eight channels of digital audio per cable. Uh, so if you have a, a light pipe out, that's eight channels of audio out. And if you have a light pipe in, that's eight channels of audio in. A lot of uh, um, digital audio workstations, as far as uh, eight-channel mic preamps, will have this option as well. So you can go digitally from your mic preamps into your recording system eight channels at a time. So that's the... Uh, and then, of course, there's AES, which is the pro standard format uh, for digital audio, uh, which is transmitted down 110 ohm, talking about geeky now, 110 ohm uh, balance lines um, with, a, with XLR connectors on the end. Each, each wire of that, though, however, each connector is only capable also of stereo audio. Um, and then, of course, there's the TDF, the Tascam digital interface, on and on. As you can probably tell, I'm, a, I'm a, an audio professional. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been dealing with this stuff for many years. But um, I just want to clarify the difference between the optical and the SPDIF for you guys. All right. Uh, as usual, always great show. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Dave, I do have one question for you. You mentioned that uh, ADATs are able to connect. And ADATs are a type of digital... ADAT, A-D-A-T. Uh, it's okay. a type of digital audio recorder, um, a digital audio deck, rather, that will do eight channels to, essentially, to a video, uh, a videotape, an old, you know, a VHS-style tape. It's got to be high quality and all that, but, but that's what it does. It's digital recording. It was the first of the, the really easy-to-use and economically accessible home studio, you know, multi-channel Recorder, multi-track recorders. So my question is, can you take an ADAT or an ADAT interface, like you said, with a you know a strip of uh, of eight mics or whatever, and will that plug in via the digital input connector on the Mac and do um, eight channels in, or or is that or won't that work? So that that's my uh, 
that's my question. So to back to Dave so, or anyone really, if, uh, if uh, anybody knows, it, it makes me sort of sort of weepy here. Just uh, just to have our listeners educate oh, yeah. us here. Catch, catching, yeah. I heard that. I, I caught. You, I think I grokked most of it, but mm-hmm. but still, it's like, wow, there was a whole subculture here. Of oh, absolutely. People. It's kind of frightening because you understand. I think you you probably digested about ninety five percent of all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we were we were actually doing some recording, some digital recording here in the studio yesterday. Sure. Okay. Art, yeah, with with Ghetto Fab, um, our our sax player actually brought a mobile rig here to our studio because he wanted to. He has a Windows machine, but, uh, <clears throat> but it, it's new, some new equipment that he got, and he wanted to play with it. And I thought, you know what, that. I was fine with it. It was great. I mean, because he'll now a take, rig, he takes all the tracks and he'll mix them, which is awesome. So a rig being a mixer. Actually, he didn't use a mixer. He was just going, uh, he had a, an eight channel audio interface that was just, you know, eight mic pre's going digitally into his windows PC, actually digitally into an M audio breakout box that had two more mic pre's. And then that M audio, M audio, blah, 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 blah. the M audio yeah. box went, took all 10 channels into uh into his pc and he was using a piece of software called sonar on it to do it but uh but we did it all yeah. here in the uh, audio attic and uh we'll yeah. see how it comes windows, out windows can do that now xlr i recognize because the microphone that i'm using a nice uh hmm. condenser has an xlr going into my board that's about all i know <laughs> yeah XLR there's three wires that's right balance signal that's right yeah uh all right, we got an email yesterday, I guess, uh, from Maurice. <clears throat> Maurice oh. writes, I'm a soldier currently deployed in Iraq. I'm an avid listener, and I love your podcast. I do, however, have a question about episode 102. During the cast, you briefly mentioned the audio being stuck on optical problem that you found on the net. My MacBook suffers from this. On all the forums I saw, it said to find something small and metal and probe around in the port, and it should work. That's just not good advice. Here's the deal. I know the MacBook is in a confused state and doesn't require a new logic board. Why? Because when the computer starts from being completely off, I hear the startup sound. The sound lets me know that my speakers work fine. Only when I'm logged into any of my accounts and try to listen to something does the red light of doom come on. I actually created a second account to see if it was centralized to my account, but it was not. I did as much digging as I could. Is there anything else I can do? I'm, think making, I'm thinking maybe a program which disables optical completely is the answer. I'm sure you'd know better than me. Okay, so here's my thought. Laptops deal with audio differently. And they deal, specifically, they deal with the startup sound differently from everything else. So I, I, don't, I don't think that there's a, a software way of disabling the Mac to send out to the uh, to the optical port. Now there might be there you know there might be a way of saying just ignore the the switch that's on, uh, but but really the problem is this sensor in there, and and you're right all of the all the research I found said yeah just stick something in there and, and wiggle it around and it'll you know let that little door close or trip that sensor closed and you're good. I don't like that idea either because there's a light in there and you're gonna scratch things and you know who knows what you're gonna do. Uh, my thought was for five bucks, and I noticed this when I was with Layton last week down in Austin. For five bucks, you can get a Toslink to mini plug optical adapter, and that lets you take the standard Toslink and plug it, bam, into the mini plug. My thought is spend the five bucks, buy one of these things, and stick it in there. Maybe sticking it in and subsequently removing it will 
trip that door or sensor or whatever it is and close it and bam, you're back in business. That's my thought. And I'll put a link to it. I, I found it at Meritline. Actually, I, I should admit, I found it through dealsontheweb.com, our, our, uh, one of our sister sites. Nice. And so, yeah. But it sounds to me like, the, the, so I think it's at a lower level is that if that jack is in the wrong state, the Mac is going to say, huh? Right. So it's either going to be an analog or digital audio state if it gets stuck, which, yeah, just, well, just the phrase sticking something in there and hoping it works just <laughs> makes me incredibly nervous. I agree. And I, I, I yet, uh, I mean, I, I do have, and I haven't yet tried them on my Power Mac, because I still have the ancient Macs here, but it does have an optical interface, but yeah, that doesn't suffer from the dual use problem. So that sounds like... Well, the other solution is, you know, you squirt some WD-40 in there. But oh. In this case, I probably... <laughs> oh. Well, for I guess old it school mechanical yeah. people where, you, you know, well, hey, my lawnmower the other day had a little problem starting up. Get some WD-40. Works great. That's cool. But probably not for computer electronics. So uh, yeah. I will, it's got stuff I, in I, it. I will, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's got a lubricant in it. It's not a contact cleaner. It's a... It's a uh, a, a well, mechanical kind of lubricant. No, oh, no, no, no. It's got but, stuff but yeah, in it, but, dude. <laughs> but I wouldn't squirt that on my Mac. No. Right. So right. WD-40, keep it for your lawnmower and your uh, yeah, household things, but not your Mac. Yeah, but, you know, spraying some canned air in there might be enough of a force to, uh, you know, jar yeah. something loose. I don't know. You know, it's a thought. A thought. Our yeah, second sponsor for this show is Audible, of course, audible.com. But you need to click the link in our show notes to get your 14 day free trial and, more importantly, your one free audiobook download from Audible. So the link in the show notes is the only thing that gives you that. Audible content you can listen, of course, on your Mac, but it also integrates with iTunes. And most audio players out there support it. Of course, the iPod does. You can listen on your trio, you can burn to CD. Uh, Lots and lots of stuff. There are a few audio players that don't work with it, but uh, not most. They've got more than 35,000 titles to choose from, all different genres. You know, yes, of course, they have the tech stuff. That's why we're here. Uh, but they've also got comedy and, you know, drama, romance, and the whole deal. Uh, some of the tech book textbooks that, uh, that I found, How to Survive a Robot Uprising, uh, The Search, Google and its rivals, uh, the IWAS book, Stephen Levy's The Perfect Thing. Alan Deutschman's The Second Coming of Steve Jobs, all available at audible.com. But remember to click the link in the show notes to get your free download. It costs you nothing to try it. Two weeks. That's uh, audible.com. How about that hint that Parker sent in, John? Parker. How wrote, about that hint? Yeah. Uh, Parker wrote. Here's a tip I just stumbled across in a dress book, and I'm wondering what other shortcuts might exist. Today is my friend's birthday, and I didn't have her birthday saved in my address book. So I went to her V-card and typed the word today into the birthday field. OS X went right ahead and supplied the right date. Is this just an obvious find, or am I missing other things? John, any thoughts about this? Um, I'm saying he's really missing quite a bit. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 you know... Tested my Google Foo and I found a wonderful article at Macworld. Our, okay. our pals at Mac, like Peter. Well, he's our pal, right? Absolutely. Strange, but but he's our pal. So, anyways, um, no, there are, um, you know, and I think it's just it, it comments on on the uh, design sense of the Apple designers is that in address book I did find a little article. We'll link to it, of course, where you can type in 
different things that would kind of be natural. So today, yes. And so some of the things were pointed out, I think I sent it, well, I may not have sent it to you, Dave. But, but for example, depending on where you are in the address book, you can say today, yesterday, last week, last month, next month. Isn't that cool? Wow. So they have a limited set of words you can use, which are pretty natural, which will click you into that date relative to where you are at that point in time. So we will link to that. Um, again, it's a thing from our pals at Macworld. And, uh, but I don't think there's a, a real standard for this. It's probably kind of a, gee, it's something I do anyways. And, and again, hats off to the Apple designers. I, I, I don't think, as far as I can tell, it's not documented anywhere except, huh. you know, for, for publications like Macworld and ourselves that just are curious and just... I think it was an accident that somebody said, hey, what would yeah. happen if I typed it today? And they're like, look at that. <laughs> that's cool. That is, I mean, you know, as we all know, that's uh, that's Apple's thing. They're one of those companies that tries to look, you know, six months further down the road than, than you are and always trying to find stuff. But that's uh, that's why we're Mac geeks, John. It's also why we own TiVos. But, uh, you know, that's uh, that's a whole other topic. I'm thinking someday my TV will have an Apple logo on it. Oh. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know that it's the right purchase for them business-wise, but uh, they, they, they but certainly... But it's the right yes. experience. It is the right experience, absolutely. And, you know, maybe the iPhone will be uh, that same experience. I'm reserving judgment until the thing comes out, uh, but I have I have high hopes. And, of course, you can keep up to date with that stuff at iPhoneAlley.com, which is... Get our out. our great convert the convert uh, AAC converting guru Michael Johnston's site. So he uh, he started that uh, I guess about a month ago. So iPhoneAlley.com portable media yeah, expo. Go ahead. Yeah, they're on they're on schedule, right? That's what they Did say. They yeah, that's what they're saying. And, they're and saying they got, Leopard pushed out a bit, right? They got FCC approval too, so that's good. Yep, but they're. I don't know. I'm still like, I guess the big thing is singular, though. I have singular in Connecticut. You I have it too. up in yeah. New Hampshire. So, uh, and it, and it works in Vermont, uh, at, uh in Westover, really? Westover, Vermont, where, uh, where you and I will okay. be this weekend. I don't know if we have any listeners there, but John and I will be there this weekend. So <laughs> little, little, uh, R and R because you know, it's only been a week since we've been away. So we got to get away again. So anyway, a, yeah. <laughs> Memorial Day weekend, Adams Farm. I think we're doing a uh, 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 on Saturday night. John, uh, Lisa booked us for a uh, uh-huh. like a, a wagon ride up into the the hills at Adams Farm, and then they'll they'll do a big campfire thing and make s'mores yeah. and tell ghost stories. So it should be uh, just you know good wholesome be fun. There's gonna be meat. There's gonna be a barbecue. Not there, but we can get <laughs> meat. They sell meat. Yeah, we eat meat. Yeah. Okay. Lisa doesn't eat meat anymore. Did I tell you that? What? Yeah, she stopped eating meat a couple of months ago vegan? again. Uh, no, just, ve- just vegetarian. She still eats fish. But uh, yeah, after we okay. both had after we both had that norovirus, the meat has just not appealed to her, so she hasn't been eating it. So well, she, wow, they, she they was vegetarian beat, years ago too. So. They really beat the Texan out of you, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's it, it's funny. She'll hate me for telling this story, but she was like I said, she was vegetarian years ago, and. Uh, Three weeks before we moved to Austin in 1995, 
she, uh, we went down there. We flew down for a week just to rent a, a place to live and that sort of thing. And one night she says, oh, let's go to this barbecue place. I, I found this barbecue place called County Line. I'm like, yeah, yeah okay, whatever. Didn't think much of it. And we get there and she orders a full rack of baby back ribs. And I looked at her. I'm like, wait a minute. You don't eat meat. She's like, oh, yeah, but this stuff, it's going to be so good. <laughs> And so she, that was it. And she was, uh, she was not vegetarian the whole time we lived in Texas. And then now, uh, a couple of months ago, she started up again. So, so I would say best bet if if you're in Texas, you're probably going to get a good, a good steak. Uh, so yeah, steak. I had a I had a I had a good steak uh, last week at uh, a place <clears throat> called the Saltgrass in Northwest Austin. It's all right. It's a chain, but it's good. Austin. Oh, Austin's the hippie part of Texas. Yeah, there, there's right? plenty of vegetarians and some great vegetarian restaurants there. So, But I could talk about this all day. Uh, Portable Media Expo isn't all day. Well, it is, but it's not today. New it's Media. New Media Expo. You know, i got to change that. I just you got to change, change it right now. They're new. September 28th to September 30th in we'll Ontario, be- California, and we'll be there. I'm, I'm going in. I am actually changing it right now in my in my show template because there's no way I'm going to screw that up again. I screwed it up last week, and you weren't you here did. to save me. They're going to they're gonna hit you. Yeah. You, you screwed it up again? I did. Of course I did. Cashfly okay. Hosting is where you download this show and all the others in the, uh, or many of the others in the back. Feedback. Of the we like network. feedback. We do like feedback. Feedback. We, iTunes. I, whoever. Yeah. You can... Post your reviews at iTunes. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com, 206-666-GEEK. The podcast marketplace this month has the A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, one free download from Audible as long as you click the link in the notes, and PDF pen from Smile on my Mac. I think we're done. Got anything else to tell them, John? I don't know. Uh, not really. Okay. Then Vacation's uh, hard work. It is. So we don't know if we're going to do a show actually together in Vermont this weekend. I'll bring the uh, blue uh, snowball, or we'll do one when we get back. But either way, we will do one next week. You know what I like about Vermont, Dave? What's What do you like about Vermont, John? Well, well, it's probably what you like. I mean, the people in Vermont just don't get get caught. caught. made up.